0: The choir always does a great job, but I knew today was gonna be special when I saw that my choir director had on red cowboy boots. I knew right then. I said, man, we gonna have church today. All right. so good to see you all in the house of the Lord this morning. Let's get into his word as we conclude a sermon series that we've been doing now for about three weeks called Extreme Faith. As you know, this sermon series comes from a very exciting and dramatic story in the Bible that is recorded in the book of Mark chapter 14, I'm sorry, chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. For those of you who haven't been here, and maybe you haven't heard the other messages, I'm going to do a little bit of background, but right before I do, let me just remind you that you can listen to our sermons anytime you want to, absolutely free of charge, by going to our website, clicking on media, and you will see there that you can uh, listen and watch, which is what I would recommend, you know, watch and listen. Uh, Or you can just listen Like if you are uh, really not sleeping that well, get that going, knock you right out. And um, it is also, if you'll notice, it's on iTunes. I don't know how all that works, but you actually, uh, probably the media department's not gonna like me telling you this, but you can actually download that and burn your own CD um, from your computer. And uh, I don't know how to do that, but I'm sure somebody can show you. So if you want to go back and and listen to any of our our series in the past or if you want to go back and listen to the other messages in this series, you certainly can do that. Also, let me remind you that anytime you want my sermon notes, all you have to do is send me an email uh, to feral at whitleychurch.com requesting the sermon notes and I will send them to you uh, for $10. No, absolutely free of charge, no charge at all. What I do require though is that when you see my color coding, you will not laugh at that, okay? That's a requirement, because I do have a lot of color in my sermons. Let me just show you one of the pages. Isn't that just beautiful? Isn't that gorgeous? Isn't that gorgeous? I have no idea what it means, but it is there on paper. All right, Jesus, remember this. This is so important. This is so important. Jesus, in the book of Mark, chapter 9, verses 14 through 29 is teaching a primary lesson. Now in this passage, there are many lessons to learn, but the primary lesson that Jesus is teaching in this passage is uh, that his disciples would learn to live by Faith. That they would learn to live by faith, not by what they see, not by their sight, but by their faith. You see, Jesus had always been with them. He had always been with them. And so they could see him. And Jesus knew that in just a few months, he was going to be arrested he was going to be hung on a cross. He would die. He knew that he would rise from the dead, and 40 days after that, he would ascend into heaven, and he would not be in their sight anymore as he was during those uh, few years they were with him. So he knew he needed to get them ready to have the same level of faith when they could not see him as they had had when they could see him. And of course, there are many lessons in this for us. We have uh, never seen Jesus' as they did however the lesson in it for us would be you walk by faith when you cannot feel him We we love it when we feel his presence. Of course, we've never seen him like the disciples did, but there are just moments when you know he's near, when you can feel his breath on the back of your neck. You know he's there. But then, most of the Christian life isn't lived that way. Most of the Christian life is lived by faith in his promises, faith in what he said. So Jesus is teaching them in this passage to live by faith and not by sight. So what he does, he goes up onto a mountain with three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John. He leaves the other nine down in the valley. An awesome, miraculous, incredible, amazing things—a thing happens up on that mountain. And you can read about that in uh, Mark chapter 9, verses 1 through 13. But in uh, verse 14, Jesus comes back down off the mountain. Nine of his disciples uh, um, are still in the valley. When he gets there, they're in a debate. They're in an argument with the scribes and there's a lot of people there on the scene that are upset, there's chaos on the scene and Jesus comes in and asks what's going on. And uh, the disciples don't say anything and the scribes, the, the Pharisees, the, they, they don't say anything but this father steps up and says, my son, Uh, is demon-possessed, he is possessed by an evil, unclean spirit, and I brought him to you. I thought you would be with your disciples, but when I got here, you were not with them, and so I asked them if they would cast this demon out of my son, and they could not, and so uh, they failed, and Jesus rebuked his disciples for lack of faith, and he delivers the boy from the evil spirit. Now, what we have studied so far in this series is a good illustration from which to teach a lesson. And, and some of the things that I'm going to say today are, are going to be reiterating some of the basic truths that God wants you to get from this passage. But there are some fresh things that I want to say to you today that are going to help you, if you get hold of them and you trust and believe, they're going to help you walk in victory in your Christian life, not just on Sunday when we're all together like this, but when when you're alone, when you're by yourself, when you're going through the mundane activities of the day, if you will get hold of the truth that I'm going to teach today, it will help you live in victory every day of your life. So let's go to class. Now what we've done in this series if, is we have preached this. Uh, the way I preach most of my sermons is expository preaching. And that means you take a passage and you go verse by verse through the passage. To me personally, that is the best way to study the Bible. Now you can do topical studies. You can do a a, a series on faith for instance and and one Sunday I could preach from one place in the Bible and the next Sunday I could preach from another place in the Bible or I could preach one sermon on faith and and pull a lot of verses from a lot of different places and, and preach it that way. But really the best way to go deeper into scripture is to go verse by verse. And I would challenge you when you're doing your personal Bible study, that you study the Bible that way. Here's what happens when you do that. When you study a book of the Bible, or even if you wanna narrow it down and study one particular chapter of the Bible, it just, by going through that chapter verse by verse, you just are able to squeeze more truth, squeeze more juice, as one preacher said, out of a passage when you go verse by verse. Does that make sense? So that's called expository uh, preaching. So what we've done, excuse me, we have gone through Mark 9, uh, 14 through 27. So we have covered um, all those verses, what is that, 13 verses that we've covered there. And, and so now we have two verses left. And, and I know you're thinking today, well, just two verses, it's gonna be a, a short little sermon. Do not be deceived, do not let that uh, uh, deceive you because there's a lot in these two verses. we studied very closely how Jesus set this boy free and now what Jesus wants to do is he wants to give us application. He wants to give us Teaching, instruction from what has just happened. So let's read verse 28 together, Mark 9 and verse 28. After Jesus had gone indoors. Now this simply tells us that Jesus had been out in public with his disciples. He had been out in the open with his disciples. But now he wants to teach them something. And so he takes them aside. And they are there in Caesarea Philippi. And they go into, um, they go into a room. Or they go into a house. Or they go into a building uh, where Jesus uh, can just be with his disciples. And then it, 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 it reinforces that in the very next phrase in that verse. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him how privately. So he wanted to get them alone. He wanted to get them uh, uh, alone and 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 kind of isolated so they would not be distracted by things going on around, because there was a whole lot going on right there in that particular scene, especially with this boy having just been delivered from this evil spirit. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of stuff going on. Jesus gets them aside. Now, I think there's a lesson right there for us. We need to get alone with God. We need to be pulled aside or pull ourselves aside. Really, that's a spiritual discipline that you say, I have to get alone with my Bible, alone with God, alone in prayer. Those are those special times when God can speak to you. Now, let me talk to you about that for just a minute. when you're having your devotional time. And I'm assuming if you're a Christian, you're having devotional time. I mean, that would be like saying um, you know, I wanna live, but I'm not gonna eat. Uh, so you gotta do your devotional time, you gotta have that. And what you wanna do is you wanna have a time where you're reading and studying the Word of God. That's God talking to you. Then there's a time of prayer. That is a time of you talking to God. That's that conversation. That's how people get to know each other. That's how people get really close by communicating with one another. It's the same way we get close to God. But there's another part of your devotion that you need and that's meditation. You need to, after you've read and after you've prayed, to just be quiet for a few minutes. Because it is in that few minutes that God will speak a word to you from his word. You see, there's the Logos word. Uh, For instance, there's the story of uh, David and Goliath, and you read that, and you understand that story, and you rejoice in that story, and you see the things that apply to you. But there are some things God can speak to you personally out of that story about your own personal Goliaths and how you might overcome them. But if we don't get quiet and alone with God, we'll never hear those things. People often say to me, I I just can't hear from God. I never hear from God. Well, how often are we just quiet? How often do we just turn off the television, turn off the DVD player, turn off the computer, turn off the CD player, turn off the DVR, turn off the, can I go on, iPod, the iPad, the stuff? Turn it off and get alone with Jesus. Somebody said if David had had an iPod, he'd have never wrote the 23rd Psalm. Because you gotta get alone with God. You have to get by yourself. The reason some of you are not hearing from God, and the reason some of you are walking around in darkness or walking around in a fog, is because you spend way more time with Fox News than you do with Jesus. Did I preach right there? Did I say that out loud? We spend way more time with American Idol than we do with our our personal devotion. Mm, Hmm. That's going to hurt Miss Millie's feelings when she hears me say that. Um, What Farrell Hardison needs to learn to do is probably get away from so much sermon preparation because I'm telling you guys, I start my sermon preparation for next week this afternoon. I wanna get that foundation laid so I can build on it throughout the week. And so so it is important that, because when you're studying to preach, that is different than studying just to be with God. Now God God puts me through the meal when I'm studying to preach because I'm going, dude, that's awesome. When I say that, they're gonna like that. They're gonna say amen to that, and God goes, well, why don't you get that straight in your life first? And I say to God, but God, I'm better than Richard. You know, I'm better than Richard, so. (laughs) (laughs) So he, and I didn't mean to really get into this this much, but it is so important, notice it in Mark 9, 28. He went indoors, he got away from the crowd, he asked his disciples to go away with him privately. And uh, that's just so important because Jesus here is teaching his disciples to do what? Walk by faith and not by sight. And he wants to get them in this room. He wants to get them separated and teach them how to do that. And so then uh, the disciples speak up and they say, well, why, why couldn't we drive it out? So Q&A, Jesus is doing a little Q&A with his disciples and that's a great way to teach. As as a matter of fact, that can often be the best way uh, to teach is to let the students ask questions and the teacher uh, respond to those questions. So they ask him, why couldn't we drive it out? When I read that, you know, I I, I could have gone on because I knew what they meant. They meant, why couldn't we cast this demon out? You could cast it out, why couldn't we cast it out? But but the very fact that they couldn't cast it out tells me something about those disciples. They tried. I wanna give applause for people who try. Can we just give it up for people who try? Amen. Don't you just love that guy who goes, I don't have any ideas of my own, but I don't like your idea. <laughs> don't you love that guy? They never have an idea, never have a fresh thought. And when you stumble, they're there to point out that you stumble. But glory to God, I tried. Amen. Give it up for the people who try pat them on the back say how much you appreciate them it is so easy to stand back and do nothing and criticize those who try well I like that and here's another thing I like about the Bible that it doesn't just record successes but it records failures now I don't know about y'all but that's really important to me Matter of fact, the Bible's filled with what I call successful failures. Successful failures. Let's just look at a few of them. Noah. Noah was a successful failure. Noah committed unspeakable sin. Unspeakable sin, but he is the one who pushed through all of the criticism, all of the doubt, all of the mockery, and stayed faithful in building the ark of God. And then we go to Abraham. Y'all remember Abraham, don't you? Father Abraham had many sons. Abraham lied about Sarah being his wife. Uh, Abraham was afraid, He, he he was afraid they were gonna take his wife away from him, and so he told them that she was his what? Sister. This is my sister. And, uh, and, and so he lied. Now, now, he lied because he didn't trust God for protection. Now, we looked in, in this story that we've been teaching on from Mark chapter 14, and we discovered, or Mark chapter 9, I'm sorry, I keep saying Mark 14, Mark chapter 9, and we saw where Jesus came down off that mountain, and when he saw his disciples being attacked, he covered them. He covered them, even though they were actually wrong. They had had failed in their faith, but he still covered them because they're his kids, amen? And God always takes care of his kids. And here's Abraham, and he did not trust that covering of God. He did not trust that protection of God. He was afraid that these men would take his wife, and so he told them a lie. He told them, she is my sister. And then you remember when God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I know you're old, but you're gonna have a baby. You're gonna have a little boy. And Abraham was very old. As a matter of fact, Abraham's response to that was, what are you say?" <laughs> and so, and, and so, and so, Abraham, didn't believe God on that. Abraham struggled with believing God on that, and, and then he came and told Sarah. He said, Sarah, come here, Sarah, come here. And so Sarah, she, <laughs> she's coming. <laughs> and he said, we're gonna have a baby. And what did she do? She laughed, she laughed. So Abraham lied. Abraham didn't trust God that Sarah would have a baby. So as a matter of fact, Abraham carried that sin so far that he actually had a child with another woman so, because he didn't think God could bear a child through through his wife, Sarah. It, isn't that amazing when we think about the man of God, Abraham, doubting God that much? And, um, but Abraham went on to be the, the great father of the Hebrew nation. He was a successful failure. You remember Jacob? Jacob didn't have the best character. Evidently, his daddy saw it because he looked at Jacob when he was born and said, I'm going to name you liar. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to name you tricker, supplanter. Uh, I'm going to name you deceiver. That's going to be your name. And I'm just so proud of you, you know? And so... um, That was Jacob's name, that's what Jacob's name uh, was. But but you remember that he wrestled with God because he wanted the, the birthright. His brother Esau didn't want the birthright, Esau just wanted to go deer hunting. You know, I'm, I'm just telling you, just read your Bible. Esau was, a, he loved to hunt and fish. He had a, a huge four-wheeler that he drove around, and, uh, and he wasn't interested in the birthright. As a matter of fact, he was a good hunter. He could knock a gnat off a pile of grits 500 feet away in heavy fog. He was a good shot with a gun. Some of y'all are going, I won't listen to that again because I didn't get all that right there. Um, but But Esau had a right to the birthright because he was the firstborn. But when, when Esau and, and Jacob were born, they were twins, the Bible says that Jacob had hold of Esau's foot when he came out. Isn't that cool? I mean, that should have let Esau know right there. You better watch this, dude. And But Jacob wrestled with God. And and he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. And God said, since you have that attitude and that spirit toward me, no longer are you Jacob, no longer are you supplanter and liar and tricker. Now you will be called Israel, for you are a prince with God. Isn't that awesome? He was a successful failure. David, David, we all remember his sin with Bathsheba but he was called a man after God's own heart. Samson disobeyed God, laid his head in the lap of Delilah and uh, played games with God's blessing. And finally he told Delilah the secret of his strength. She shaved his head and of course um, you know the story of how the Philistines came upon him and gouged out his eyes and put him at the meal wheel grinding every day. But in his final act of obedience and surrender and submission to God, he brought down the building that crushed the Philistines. And, and his last act of obedience glorified God and won the victory for God. He was a successful failure. <laughs> How about old Peter Hardison? You remember him? You remember Peter? He he, he sank down in the water. He sank down in the water, but did he get out of the boat? God bless him for getting out of the boat. We always remember, you know, he sank, you remember, he sank, but he got out of the boat. It's easy to stay in the boat and go, he he went under, he went under. Yeah, well, at least he got out of the boat, amen. He kept his eyes on Jesus. When he took his eyes off Jesus and, and, and stopped having faith, he went under. But, you know, it's kind of like circumstances. You ever heard somebody say, say, how are you doing? Say, well, under the circumstances. Well, if you'll get your eyes on Jesus and trust him, he, he just might pull you above the circumstances. Because when Peter sunk down, he looked up, and Jesus lifted him back up above the circumstances. But Peter at least got out of the boat. Thomas, we don't know much about Thomas except one thing. He what? doubted and we say to people don't be a doubting thomas isn't it amazing how a guy can mess up like that and that's all we remember about him can i tell you that i know christians many christians none of them come to the early service they're usually at the bridge in the second service here but i know christians who who like thomas have touched jesus they've been in the presence of jesus and they still don't believe. At least Thomas kept believing. Once he touched Jesus, once he saw Jesus, he kept believing, and if you'll read your church history, you will find that Thomas was a major player in spreading the gospel beyond the Middle East. He was a major player in taking the gospel to those who had never heard it before and died a martyr's death. That don't sound like a weak Christian to me. That sounds like a mighty man of God. So here's what I'm saying to you today. Maybe you have failed. Maybe you have messed up. Maybe you have dropped the ball along the way. I've got good news for you. He's the God of a second chance. He's the God of a second chance. Hey, he's the God of a... Third, fourth. All right, man. Come on. I can't even count all the times I've been back to God and gone. I blew it. I blew it again. Oh, he, I always find His grace amazing. I always find His grace amazing. And if you're sitting here and you think there's no place for you in the kingdom because you failed, look at all these great people in the Bible who probably messed up way worse than you have messed up and God used them mightily. Hear the word of the Lord today. Come out of your doubt. Come out of your discouragement. Come out of your hiding place and be that man of God, that woman of God. As a matter of fact, the Bible says you're just what God's looking for because when he does great things through people who have messed up, who have messed up, uh, uh, the world looks on and says, There must be a God in heaven. He yes. can do it through that guy. That's what my old high school buddies say about me. So in verse 28, the disciples are asking, Why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we do it? Why, uh, you know. I was reading this and I looked back in chapter six of Mark and I saw where Jesus uh, sent the disciples out two by two and said, I give you exousion over the dunamis. Y'all remember that? Remember how excited y'all got about exousion and dunamis? Y'all don't look excited. Um, What that means is I give you authority over the power. Remember the Barney Five thing? You got authority, authority's better than power. Authority's better than power. And you have authority. Satan has power, but you have authority in the name of Jesus. Y'all with me out there? And, 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 so, and so maybe they look back and said, Jesus, don't you remember back in chapter 6 <laughs> when you told us that we had exousion over the dunamis, we had authority over the power, and God, we went out and we cast out demons in your name and returned again with joy? And now here we are and we can't do it. Why couldn't we do it this time? And Jesus answers in verse 29. This kind, we're in Mark chapter uh, nine, verse 29. This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. The Greek word for this kind means this species. He's talking about that evil spirit in that boy. This kind of evil spirit, this species, this this kind of unclean spirit, and maybe he's talking about all demons, or maybe he's talking about demons of a particular kind, fallen angels, and Jesus is saying you will never, and this is the main point now, this is the main point. Jesus is saying to his disciples, and you need to hear this for you, You are never going to be successful apart from me. You are never going to be successful apart from me. Now, in that particular case, it was exorcism he was talking about. You're never going to be successful in expelling these evil powers apart from me. Here's what Jesus was saying. He's saying it to Whitley Church. He's saying it to Pharaoh Hardison. He's saying it to everybody here today. You've got to depend on me or you will not be successful. In the Old Testament, it says it this way. It is not by our might or by our power, but it is by his spirit that miracles are done, that deliverance is done, that the ministry is done, that souls come to Christ. The moment Whitley Church begins to depend on technology or depend depend on our own knowledge or our own education or, or, or some conference or some book we read, that's when we're gonna come tumbling down It is not by our power, it is not by our knowledge, it is not by our technology, it is not by any of of that, that we do the ministry we do in this church, it is by his spirit, by his power, by the touch of his mighty hand. I love what John MacArthur says. John MacArthur says that prayer is the highway that your faith takes into the power of God. Prayer is the highway, you can have faith all day long, but prayer is that connection. Prayer is that, that, that wire, that, that connector that brings the power of God into your life. So these disciples obviously have tried to do this in their own strength and their own power. And the reason they did is probably because they had had success in the past. That is a pitfall. That is a big pitfall for Christians. And I've addressed this a little bit in this series, but let me just say this, guys. You cannot live on yesterday's anointing. You cannot live on yesterday's blessing. Uh, what's, what's wrong? In many churches today, one of, the, one of the signs of a church that is going in the wrong direction is they're always talking about what God used to do in their church about what God used to do and about how God used to move and they're always looking at history. They're always looking back. They're never talking about what God is doing now. Well, when I look back on the history of this church, there are amazing, unbelievable, incredible stories that I can tell you, but I gotta tell you something. I'm more excited about what God is doing in this church right now than I've ever been in my whole life and that's how it ought to be. I'm, I'm excited about the present. I'm excited about the future. And I know we hear reports on the news and we hear reports about gas prices and we hear reports about the economy. Let me tell you something. Our source is not Wall Street. Our source is God Almighty. And if God, amen, if God wants us to build a 1,200-seat sanctuary in a terrible economy, he will build it and he will pay for it and we will sit back in awe and amazement of what God did when people said it can't be done. Amen, amen. See, that's what's so important that we understand. When God does great things during an environment and during a a time when when people go, well, you you just can't do it right now. You just can't do it right now. Listen, let's follow God. Let's follow God. Let's trust God. Let's believe God. Uh, I I like what the old preachers used to say. We gotta remember that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, amen, and the what? Taters in them hills, amen, he owns it all. Look, God don't have any less resources right now than he had when the economy was booming. God God don't look in his account and go, oh, Whitley, whoo, I ain't got much right now. Y'all need to wait till Wall Street kicks back up, or y'all need to wait till... No, sir, he's got what it takes to get it done. And that's what will make the world look in amazement and say there must be a God if they were able to accomplish this in this environment. So he was telling the disciples, he's telling us, you're not going to be able to live like that. You need to become totally dependent on me. Well, now that's all that Mark says about this story. We're through with Mark, so I know You guys think I'm going to go on, you know, like, let's pray. But Matthew had some more to say. So let's go over there to Matthew and see what Matthew had to say because I want to close with this. I want to close with this thought. Matthew tells us, Really, how much faith? Because I gotta tell you guys something. If I was sitting out there where y'all are listening to the preacher, I would go, you know what, thanks for the series and, and thanks, and it's been a challenge, and you've put it out there. And but Pastor, how much faith? How how much faith do I need to, to do what you're saying God wants me to do? How much faith do we need to keep progressing as a church? How much faith do you need? Do we need? And you got to remember now, let, let, me, let me remind you this is not a lesson on how to cast out demons. A lot of people read this story and they make it all about, you know, casting out demons. And I know people, boy, they see a demon behind every bush. You know what I'm saying? They just think the devil's in everything. Sometimes it's just you. <laughs> You look in the mirror, you know, little horns coming out the, at the hair. Sometimes really, it's just, it, it, listen, your, your greatest battle is not with the enemy, your greatest battle is with the lust of your own flesh the lust of your own humanity, and, uh, and so, so uh, uh, we're asking how much faith does it take to cast out a demon, or how much faith does it take to do a miracle, or how much faith does it take to raise the dead? That is not what this is about. Now you can draw some, some good uh, principles from this story about those kinds of things, but what the main thing is here is that God is teaching us, listen carefully to this, God is teaching us how to access the power of God, that we might do the mighty things that God wants us to do, those things that are his will. You remember last week Jesus said, uh, uh, all things are possible to him who believes. You remember that? What he was saying there, all things are possible to him uh, who believes according to my will, According to my will. Because, you know, um, and some of these glory boys, I call them, on TV, they talk about what you can go put your hands on and claim and say, that's mine in the name of Jesus. I claim that. I heard some of that teaching one time. I kind of bought into it. I went out to the Chevrolet place and saw a Cadillac. I put my hands on it. And the, the, the salesman was out there with me. And I said, this is mine in the name of Jesus. And he said, yes. <laughs> I don't know if he's a Christian or not, but he got really excited. And uh, you know, um, I ended up not buying a Cadillac, but a Lumina. (laughs) But uh, y'all remember them? (laughs) And uh, I got it, I put my hands off, said it's mine, in the name of Jesus, it's mine, and I got it. And I also got a coupon book about this thick, full of little slips you tear off and send in every month and pay for it. Here's my point, Uh, there's a lot of false things being taught about faith today. Um, When we pray, We are to pray according to his will, according to his will. Now, let me just talk a little bit about um, a way that your faith has brought a miracle into your life, and that is the miracle of redemption, the miracle of salvation, If you are sitting in this building this morning and you know that if you died right now you would go to heaven, then you have been born again. You have received Jesus Christ into your heart. Listen, every bit of that is faith. See, a lot of people think that there's gonna be these big um, scales and if if your good part that you did is heavier than your weak, uh, sinful part that you did, then you get to go to heaven. But see, that's not true, because if that was the case, the guy who was on the cross beside of Jesus when Jesus said, you will be with me today in paradise, that guy had nothing on the good side. Nothing on the good side. He had been a thief. He he had lived a, a rotten, sinful life, but he believed on Jesus. He believed the gospel. He received the truth of Jesus into his life, and Jesus said, because you believe... You will be with me today in paradise. I had a young man came to me at the bridge not long ago, and uh, after I got through preaching, he had a very stern, angry look on his face, and that is what he was angry about. He was angry about the preaching that said Jesus will forgive you on your deathbed now you shouldn't wait to them because you don't know when that's going to be and I'm not preaching a deathbed repentance but I'm telling you right now a person can live their whole life in rotten sin and at the end say before God I am a sinner I am lost I need Jesus Christ in my life as my personal savior and I know I don't deserve it and I repent of all the sins I've done and he will in an instant right then at that moment forgive that man and if he dies five minutes later he'll get to go to heaven Yes. Yes. You say, "Well, I just don't understand that." That's because you're looking at it from a human yeah. viewpoint. That's why the writer wrote, "Amazing, great. great! It's amazing." Because in this world, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine first. It's all about I'll give you, but you got to give to me first. I'll do this, but you—it's—it's it's a free gift you don't know what i've done preacher it doesn't matter what you've done if you will bring your sin to this altar and i don't mean you have to walk up here right there in your seat you can bring your sin to jesus he will wash it from your life and forgive you and you will experience what is called the second birth the birth of the spirit you've already been born of woman And if you hadn't, I'd like to meet you right after service. But you've been born of woman, and now he wants you to be born of the Spirit. Listen, listen. Every bit of that, if you're going to heaven when you die, if you're going to heaven when you die, it is because of your faith. Your faith. Well, here's the wonderful thing. After we come to him in faith and he saves us from our sin and lives in our heart, then we just keep living it by faith. Ever since I came to Jesus in faith, now every day my walk is by faith. And faith is like a muscle. The more you work it out, the more you stretch it, the stronger it gets. And that's what God's calling us to. Well, let's, let's, um, let's look at Matthew 17 and verse 20. Now, in verse 19, let me just back up and read so you, you can... Um, Remember where we're at, the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast this this demonic spirit out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. He says it again. So here, he's not talking about changing topography. He's not talking about literally moving a mountain. Now, do I believe God could literally move a mountain? Well, of course I do. We've actually seen him do it. It's called a volcano. You ever seen a mountain before a volcano? It's all up here, and then when he gets through with it, it's down here, I mean, God, can say to Mount Everest, I want you over there, and he can just flare his nostrils and move it wherever he wants to. But God's not into that. He's not into trickery. He's not into saying, watch this. So what is he talking about here? Here's what Jesus is telling these disciples. Listen carefully. He's saying, if you could have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, there are insurmountable things that are gonna come into your life. There are things that are gonna come into your life that appear to be impossible to get around. But if you can have faith in me, you can move those objects, you can move those barriers, you can move those walls, or I will move them by your faith in me. There are obstacles in your life right now that God wants to move, but you keep trying to move it yourself, you've not really come to him and ask him to move it. Remember what Jesus said to the disciples, some of these mountains are gonna be moved when we pray and fast. So when you get serious about the mountains that are in your life and the obstacles that are in your life that seem insurmountable and you begin to exercise mustard seed faith, God says those mountains will be moved in your life. You're gonna get those things out of your way. Now what is a mustard seed? Y'all ever seen a mustard seed? Looks like a grain of sand. So it is the smallest seed used in Israeli agriculture and so that's what Jesus used as an illustration. He thought, what can I say that is going to get their attention? What can I say that is going to get them to realize how little faith is necessary for them to do great things? Now, here's what some teachers say on this scripture. Some teachers say that what Jesus is teaching there is that you have to get your faith up to the size of a grain of mustard seed. You have to really, really try and you have to really, really work and get your faith up to the size of a grain of mustard seed. But I've studied this every which way but loose. And I'm telling you right now what Jesus is saying is I've already put mustard seed faith in you. You already got it in you. You don't have to get it you got it every human being has been given a measure of faith it is a tiny measure but I got to tell you something if it'll move mountains that's pretty good So Jesus is saying to them, you've already got this. You don't have to wait for more faith. Some of you are waiting to get faith. And the enemy has told you, you don't have it. You've got to wait to get it. So he's got you just sitting back going, I wish I had faith. I wish I had faith. You got it. It's already in you. God put it in you, a measure of faith. What you have to do is activate it. Activate that faith. Now, for those of you who have not yet come to the Lord, maybe you're waiting to get enough faith so you can come to the Lord. You don't have to wait anymore. He put it in you. You can come to the Lord today. You say, well, I've got more questions and more investigation I want to do. Well, that's fine. I don't have any problem with your investigation, but don't put it off too long. He's ready, he's knocking at your door. The faith that you need to become a Christian today, it's already in you, you just gotta activate that faith. He put it in you, or maybe as a believer, you think your faith could never measure up. Here's what Jesus is saying. He is saying to you, I do not expect you to have some great, magnificent, all-pervasive faith. He is saying that if you will just exercise the little bit of faith I've already put in you, you're gonna see things happen in your life that you never thought you would see happen, but you keep doubting, you keep doubting yourself, you keep doubting the faith that's in you. you. Some of you doubt that you even have any faith, and he's saying, I'm telling you right now, it's in you, it is tiny, it is the size of a grain of mustard seed. And then Jesus looks at these disciples and he's telling them, what he's saying to them is, "I listen to this, I need you to have the faith, now you're my disciples, you've been with me two and a half years, you're my disciples, you've seen the miracles, you've heard my teaching, you should be more mature than this, but here's what I need you to have, disciples, I need you to have the faith that that father had, that got his son set free. Now, how much faith did that father have? Not much. And how do we know he didn't have much faith? Cause what? He told us. He said, I believe, I mean his son is writhing on the ground. His son is going through uh, this this attack of this demon and Jesus says all things are possible to him who believes and the father, you remember this story, we've said it over and over. He cried out, I believe, I have mustard seed faith but Lord, I have a lot of doubt mixed with my faith but all Jesus needed was that I believe part. See, we, we gotta understand that the faith he requires of you to believe in him for salvation, the faith he requires of you to believe him for sanctification, being set apart from the world, dealing with the the sin nature, the Adamic sin nature, the faith he requires of you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the faith he requires of you to do ministry and make a difference in the lives of other people, the faith he requires of you to move what seems to be insurmountable objects in your life that won't let you go on with God. What, What God's saying to us this morning is, I've already put that in you. It's already in you. If we get this, it's gonna turn this church upside down. Because I believe that most of us think we don't even have that mustard seed faith. Yes, you do, yes, you do. Ahmadinejad nut job has it. Y'all know who that is? The guy in Iran. isn't that his name? I'm a dinner jacket, something like that. Anyway, in him is a mustard seed of faith. In every human, you can choose to reject that, you can choose to turn your back on that, you can use that faith to believe in something other than God and other than Jesus, but there's faith in you to believe for mountains that are in your way right now to be moved out of the way. Here's what God did, God put God put what he requires of us to move mountains on a shelf low enough that every one of us can reach it. God didn't put the level of faith he requires way up here so that we finally attain it. You know, when we're talking like Abraham, praise God, I finally got the faith. That's why little children Look, look, if a little child wants to pray for you, man, be all over that. Because they've not been trained in doubt yet. They just believe. Little kid comes up here and wants to pray for me. Man, I'm all down on my knees. Takes me a while to get down there. Takes me a while to get up. But I'll get down there and go put your hand on that little ball spot right there, baby, and pray. <laughs> See, they understand. When they hear Pastor Jimmy over there, and they hear Bobby Sherrod teaching over there about faith, and if you've got faith, you can move mountains. They go, okay. Okay. And some of you mamas and daddies say, you've heard him pray those prayers, haven't you? I'm telling you right now, the faith to move mountains, you don't even have to go get it. You got it. It's already in you. The enemy has told you that that you're down here and God can't do great things and God only does great things through, no, 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 no. It's in you. It's in you, mustard seed faith. Now let me just say this. Here's what I see in that. I see once again in that teaching, I see the love of God. The love of God. He loves us so much that he put that faith level required to move mountains way down here and made it easy, made it easy for us. First of all, he put it in us. Now he's just looking at us and going, I told you, it's in there. Now all I need you to do is just act on that. Pray knowing that that's in you. Pray over your children knowing that that faith is in you. Pray over them when they're sick. Pray over them. Pray over your family. Pray over your relationship. Pray over your marriage with that mustard seed faith. Now, now, we said it earlier, faith is like a muscle. The more you work it, it doesn't stay mustard seed. It grows. But some of us, the only time we ever exercised our mustard seed faith is to become a Christian. And then we kinda acted like, you know, I became a Christian by faith and now it's up to me to live in victory. No, it isn't. It isn't. You you can't even live in victory on your own. You have to activate that faith in you and walk in that mustard seed faith every day. Father, thank you for your word today. I pray that I have preached this in a way that, that it's comprehensible that they've been able to get it. I think sometimes when we preach like this, God, it is so simple, it is so easy that we struggle with it. We struggle with it because we we are saying to ourselves, it can't be this easy. It can't be this simple. God could not have made it this easy. And so the enemy feeds on that and and feeds that and, and we end up not moving any further with you because we have in our mind some legalistic set of activities we have to engage in before you will honor our faith. Lord, this daddy came to you. He, he, he admitted, I, I am totally weak in my faith, yet you delivered his son from a demon that had been in him since almost since birth. The disciples couldn't do it, but this daddy had enough faith that his son got set free. This daddy, who, who was very, very immature as a Christian, very, very immature in his walk, very, very immature in his faith, but it was enough to deliver his son. God, help us see this truth today. And I would to God that as these people go home, they will say, I have this faith in me. Teach me, God, how to activate it. Teach me how to, how to uh, believe it. Teach me how to, how, to, how to move in that faith and operate in that faith and do ministry out of that faith and, and pray out of that faith and, and lift up my children out of that faith and walk every day in that faith. And God, if we learn this and we get hold of this, it'll turn individuals upside down in this church. It will turn families upside down and it will turn this church upside down. It'll turn this community upside down. We think we're making an impact on this community. We're not doing anything we will do if we will just simply believe this teaching on mustard seed faith. It will penetrate, it will, it will reach places for your glory that, that no church has been able to reach before if we can walk in faith. God, let us get this this morning. Let us get it, I pray you will, in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Here's what we're gonna do this morning, listen carefully. <laughs> We're going to have prayer ministers up here and we're gonna pray for you this morning if you would like to have prayer. If you wanna come and you wanna just say to God, God, I believe what pastor said today. I have that mustard seed faith but I don't see it operating in my life the way I want to. I don't see it functioning in my life the way I want to and you just kinda of wanna bring that to the altar this morning. We're gonna pray for you and pray with you about any need that you have. If you came today and it's your first time, we have a gift for you right back there. For those of you who are investigating Jesus. You want to know more about him, what it is to know him and follow him. We have information for you over here. Maybe you have a friend who's been asking you questions about Jesus. Pick up a packet for him. Uh, Sign up for the different things. We've got a lot of stuff going on, the Hope Conference. Hey, what a great morning in the Lord. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming to church today. God bless you.